When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen. I am your host, Anne Gripper. I am sad because football did not come home, sadly, for the England team after a bit of a penalty disaster the other night. We won't be talking too much about that. Well, actually, we will because um, it's actually a great place to start into our discussion today as we look at the royal family's relationship with Wales and with Scotland. And I've invited on two fabulous colleagues today, um, Bev Lyons, the showbiz queen of Scotland from the Daily Record. So Bev, lovely to see you again. Thanks. Thank for you. The show. Thank you. Oh, that was my <laughs> queenie impression. <laughs> oh, hang on. There's only one person who does a queen impression here, and that is me, usually. But no, it's fine. You're allowed. To, you're allowed to do your queen impression. Um, and in the Welsh corner, we have Cathy Owen, who is a long-time reporter for Wales Online, originally from Ballymena in Northern Ireland, but very much um, Welsh at home and representing the things in the principality in terms of the show today. So Cathy, lovely to have you with us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. And I'm sure the both of you, I mean, I'm sure you were both cheering on England to success the other night in the football or not so much, because ultimately, you know, so I'm married, I'm married to a Welshman, as I have mentioned previously on the show, and I'm very aware that England oftentimes likes to cheer on the Welsh and the Scotland when they're playing elsewhere. And that feeling isn't necessarily always reciprocated across the other side of the border. Is that a fair assessment of things, Bev? Well, you know, you've hit on it there. So actually what we did was we divided the household because we couldn't decide. Being Scottish, you know, a lot of Scots were supporting the Italians, but then equally a lot of Scots were supporting England and quite rightfully so. So what we did was within the household, um, we took on one one was England and one was uh, Italy. So I, I was England, I was cheering on England and I was letting out lots of noises and uh, oh, I was quite dismayed by the end of it. And I, you know, I personally felt a great loss as well from. <laughs> Almost said with a straight face. <laughs> How about you, Cathy? Well, I'm, I'm married to a Welsh, uh, no, not Welsh husband. I've got an English husband and two Welsh sons. So uh, we were, there was a bit of a split in our house as well. Um, obviously, uh, my husband put his England top on the minute he got up on Sunday morning. And um, we heard a lot of it's coming home all day, but uh, <laughs> it didn't come home. It went to Rome. It did, um, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So I had one son who was supporting England. The other son was supporting Italy. But when it came down to it, I had to support England. Well, one little boy who we are very sure was supporting England on the night was Prince George, who 
I, last week I was saying on the show, you know, he's got to be allowed to go if England get to the final because otherwise he will never forgive his parents. I mean, he may now be thinking, God, why did they take me? I was so excited after three minutes and I was delighted. And then at the end, I didn't know what on earth had happened because it was half past 10 and I was still up, even though I'm a small child. And all of my footballing dreams are already broken on the floor. So, George, that is the true experience of being an England fan. That is what happens. It all starts so well and then it ends on penalties, all going horribly wrong. But it was, you know, it was lovely to see them. Prince William and Kate had dashed across from her day out at Wimbledon was cheering things on so you know lovely scenes up there in the Royal Box like big hugs all round absolute delight after three minutes when we were maybe even two when we were leading and we didn't really know what we'd done with ourselves and then sort of the sadness and you know Prince William just like rubbing George's shoulders in a very um, very cute way afterwards and William's obviously been involved in a lot of the fallout afterwards but we will save talking about that for when Russell is back next week um, because there will be lots more to talk about in relation to that I am sure and Russell has um, has been involved with sort of the issues of particularly sort of the racist abuse and William trying to, to change that in football um, on an ongoing basis so we'll, we'll save that one for next week but you know, you had William and Kate and George up there in the Royal Box cheering on England. And obviously the national anthem that England seem, sing before a match is is God Save the Queen. We keep it, whatever, whatever the match is. Like it's the British anthem, but it's also the English anthem. Whereas, sorry, sorry, Her Majesty the Queen, listen away now. <laughs> the Welsh national anthem and the Scottish national anthem like they're far better they're much more rousing they're what you want to sing before you go out into battle on the pitch but you know the it's clear that George was supporting England like do you, does it ever feel like the Royals are actually genuinely cheering on on your side so I mean famously William and Harry I think flipped a coin pretty much for who was going to get England and who was going to get Wales in the rugby so you've got William and Kate who turn up at the Millennium Stadium they've Kate's learnt the Welsh national anthem which confession in-laws listen away now I still have not learned <laughs> I always have good intentions I enjoy singing I enjoy hearing other people singing it but I've not learned the words one day but you know does, does it feel like they are genuine supporters of your team when you see them like the, the Welsh rugby connection does it feel like it's there or is it does it does it does it sort of come with a scepticism what do you think Cathy? Um, I think they, they do go along to quite a lot of the games you see them at the Principality Stadium and it's it's great to see them and, and great to see the support um, I, I just wonder uh, when they play England would in the rugby would William where his allegiances would be in, in that sort of uh, scenario um, I know that he is a really big supporter of, of, of Welsh rugby and it is fantastic to see them there um, and um, I, I you know I think if, if Wales had made it any further in the, the Euros I'm sure there would have been the royal support for them there too so um, yes it's uh, Having a couple of teams in the in the pot is always a good thing. So it's interesting though because I feel like Princess Anne. I mean, partly maybe because she's been doing it for so long. I feel like she really loves going to Murrayfield and cheering on Scotland and seeing them do well in the rugby. Oh, she does. I think that I, I mean Princess Anne loves that. She loves her tartan. Um, I've met her actually. I met her in Edinburgh, as you do. 
And um, she is very much, I mean, even, I remember she showed her living room and I think there were some nods to Scotland uh, in that living room, you know. She's just very, she feels like quite a Scottish member of the royal family, I think. Um, can I just say, when I met her, um, it was a royal variety performance and um, I actually nicked her soap from her bathroom, but that's, she had her own personal bathroom. I was a wee girl. My dad was actually producing uh, the show and uh, and I had the pleasure of, of meeting her with, him and her lady in waiting gave me her her diet coke as well because she didn't want to drink it so there you go i got i got her pass offs i've still got the soap by the way if you want the <laughs> fingerprints <laughs> all right that is a, that is a good i've met a royal story kathy what's what have you got in the uh, meeting meeting the royals random story <laughs> bank nothing, nothing as good as that um well obviously uh, over the years uh charles always comes for his uh, Wales week in, in Wales um, at the start of July. And um, I've covered many of his, his visits here, um, but nothing as exciting as Bev's. Right. I think your mum has a special souvenir of one of the, one of the royal yeah, well, yeah. visits that you did do. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a, a Swansea, it was a, a church service in Swansea and um, William and Harry were both with their dad. And, and there were some pictures in Hello magazine from outside the church. My legs were pictured, <laughs> included in this picture in Hello magazine. My mum was so excited that she cut it out and she still has the cutting. Mum's <laughs> Just my legs, nothing else. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, <laughs> and you mentioned... It was the... a, a career highlight for her. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind all of the brilliant front pages and things you've had ever yeah. since. But then yeah. when your legs nope. made it into my the legs room, made it into Hello yeah well, you know there's no accounting for mums sometimes but um <laughs> you mentioned the the, sort of the the welsh the welsh week the royal week so charles and camilla they've just been last week over doing the rounds and visiting again um were there sort of particular highlights that you spotted last week kathy was it and obviously it's like sort of corona times it's a bit un, unusual and how how have things how did how did last week go yeah, I would say it was it was um it was a very low key uh week compared to normal. Um I mean it, I suppose it doesn't it wouldn't get the same kind of publicity that William and Kate would get when they come to visit. Um but um he's he still managed to visit quite a lot of places in Wales. Um they come and he stays at his Welsh retreat in Carmarthenshire, um, which is absolutely stunning it's in the, in the middle of the beautiful countryside and he actually went there um after prince philip's funerals uh, a bit of time to get away so that's where they base themselves and um then they had various visits over the week to to different parts but you, it was very low-key there, there was not the crowds that you would normally see and i think it, it felt like there was a bit of a theme of sort of food and drink which is always it's always nice to go on a bit of a tour and go to, go to the vineyards and and such like and also and the environment felt like sort of two key planks and I guess also sort of businesses opening up again and and supporting from from that point of view is that is that fair or there yeah any- I mean Camilla looked particularly happy um, at a visit to um, Lanark Vineyard which is just sort of on the outskirts of Cardiff um, I think she'd met the owner at an event earlier this year and she promised that when they were down in Wales they would come along and she did honor that that uh, promise um so that yeah they, they visited it there and her father 
um, I th- Bruce Shand had been involved in the, the wine industry. So I think she was particularly interested in this visit. Um, and she talked about them giving the French a run for their money. Um, so, yes, it looked like a, an exciting trip. Must be great when you're a royal. You bump into someone who makes wine and then you basically invite yourself oh, yes, around. Exactly. <laughs> and, I'm doing, yeah, and I'm yeah. doing you the favour. This is definitely what's happening. So it's great. Um, and I mean, you mentioned the sort of the level of coverage. Is there is there excitement when the royals come to town or other in Wales or are there, are there particular ones that you think people in Wales have really close to their hearts more than more than others? Yeah, I I think I mean um the the Charles and Camilla visit was very very low key last week. Um but it's a complete complete opposite when you see William and Kate um come in to visit last year. Um they visited Barry Island. They went they played on the slots, made famous by Gavin and Stacey. Um and that was like a, that was big news and there was a lot of excitement. Obviously it couldn't be publicized but at all before they arrived, but it still managed to um, draw the big crowds. Um, and then the, I think they were at Cardiff Castle in December time as well. Um, and so, yes, it, it's big news when they come to visit. And do you think people have, a, is it just because they're sort of the, the, the young glamorous ones that everyone's excited about? Is it, do you think there's, you know, there's that affection and that connection with Wales that, um, you know, William and Kate started their married life when he was being a helicopter pilot on Anglesey and also that he, they will be the next prince and, prin- and princess, crucially, of Wales. Um, so, do you, like, there's a lot of different connections. Do you think that plays into it or is it is it just the youth? No, I definitely think that is um, a big connection. Um, uh, they, they lived in Anglesey from 2010 to 2013, so just after they got married, it's the first place that they'd made their home. And you can tell when they go back to visit there how much they loved that time. It was They were able to sort of start their married life away from the, the glare of publicity. They, um, you know, it's a stunning part of the country with beautiful beaches and fantastic walks. And, you know, you can tell the way they talk about it, how much they, they have that Welsh place in their hearts. Um, and I think that is sort of an added connection for people. Um, and obviously, like you say, because um, Kate will be the next Princess of Wales. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more a bit later on about sort of the role of the Prince of Wales and the legacy of um, of Diana, Princess of Wales. But first I wanted to check with Beth because I'm wondering that there might be a battle now. It's like, you know, obviously <laughs> William and Kate have got the connection with Anglesey and Wales, but I would imagine Scotland is also like, well, if it hadn't been for us, if they hadn't come to university up here, oh, yeah. then there would be no Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and no George and, Har- George and Louis and Charlotte. Well, that's it. The the dress, the famous dress, of course, that Kate wore in St Andrews as well. Oh, the fashion she, show. Yeah, that's where it all sort of kicked off, wasn't it? I think she stunned him and, and everything like that. But, you know, in Scotland, um, we have got, I guess, you know, to, to put it in a nutshell, there's three different camps probably in Scotland with regards to the monarchy um, and uh, with regard to, to the royals and the minor royals and the major royals. And, I think um, obviously you have people who are quite happy with the status quo of things and who quite like uh, the idea of having, you know, like they're not really that bothered, you know, but they, they, they quite like seeing the Queen when she comes to visit or, 
uh, William and Kate. That's all very exciting. And today, obviously, as a, in a younger set as well, there's the whole element of celebrity. And they are, whatever you think of the royals per se, they are celebrities. They're global celebrities. And so, therefore, there's an attraction there. And if you want to bag a celebrity, then they are a, a prime example of that. Um, and then, of course, uh, you will get uh, amongst that. So you've got this sort of people that are okay with it. Then you'll get the fervent royalists who will really go hell for leather at, uh, at, at singing the praises of the royals, every aspect, minor, major and beyond, and will find um, roots themselves that they'll be connected to or their family heritage uh, will have some sort of interest there. And then, of course, there are uh, people who feel that they are a waste of time, a waste of money. And, um, and you know, and there's this, this whole discussion, I'm sure you'll come on to later on, uh, with regards to an independent Scotland and where the monarchy would perhaps sit within that. And again, that also divides people because, you know, there are people that are quite happy just to, to see things out. And then there's other people that feel that it's a vast drain on the resources. But then I'm sure that's also a widespread thing throughout the UK. So, yeah, coming on to the sort of the nationalism question like where where do the SNP like the leading the leading nationalist party sit on it because so, sometimes there are some things that they propose where it's like we'd like to be independent but we quite like to keep these bits they, they will a bit cakeist as it got being turned when you know Harry and Meghan wanted to quit the royal family but keep the bits that they they wanted and um, you know so and obviously there are various countries around the world where the queen is still head of state even though they're independent albeit there are various places that are now making moves to get rid of get rid of her as head of state and where there is that degree of resistance so what is what is the sort of working theory I guess for the SNP and for nationalists in general is it like well we'll just just hang on to the queen anyway but we'll just get we'll get rid of the government but we'll keep the queen it really depends what publication you read and uh, you know because if, if you read one that is sort of very much anti-monarchy, then people will just say, you know, there's no place we want to set up our own heads of state uh, within this uh, Republican system or whatever it is that we're going to go for. And then there, there are people, as I say, that are, are quite happy with it. Now, Alex Salmond, uh, who was the predecessor to Nicola Sturgeon, he was all for an independent Scotland with a monarch. And um, and I was trying to look up, actually, before I, I spoke with you, what Nicola Sturgeon, I'm not too sure, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that she's possibly on the same uh, lines of that, but she's probably not aired it too much because I think uh, it's one to sort of wait and see how everybody feels. But, I mean... My, I know, I think the last survey was done in 2014. I'm just having a look here. And and I think um, it was 54% were in favour of keeping the monarchy and uh, 39% in Scotland felt it should be scrapped. And that was opposed to the whole UK-wide figures of 70-70% versus 17%. So a bit of a difference, but at the same time, um, you know, there are people within the parties so whether or not Nicola Sturgeon might say yea or nay, there are people further down the ladder or some people who may have some hidden secret clout that think otherwise and and feel that it's time for a whole change. You're going to get a sort of radical uh, reimagining of the country from people who just want total change. And then there's also a fear of change too. And I think any anything like that 
would need to be looked at over a period of time. You can't just make all these changes at once if it were to be made. And personally, I'm quite happy with the way things are. But then, you know, I'm I'm not a hugely political person either way. Sorry if you wanted that from me today, but um, you know, I, I I sort of go along with things, and I think you know what the, the royals. I personally feel bring uh, you know a lot to the country vis-a-vis tourism, and also just look at the Americans would love to have what we have uh, in terms of a head of state or a, a royalty or a monarchy. I mean, they, you know, they, obviously series like The Crown, you know, are so popular because people love that. They love the idea of all the inner workings and the, you know, the dramatisation of it and the history. And it's something that a lot of people don't have. So from that aspect, there's a nostalgia thing for me. But uh, whether or not everybody agrees with me, that's a whole different ballgame. And the royal family, I mean, partly obviously COVID is restricting where they can go on big adventures. So poor, poor Russell's passport remains firmly in its drawer at the moment as he waits to get back on, on the road um, with them. But, you know, the royals, they're limited to where they can go. So there have been a lot of trips to Scotland, a few, tri- <laughs> a few trips to Wales as well, but a lot of trips to Scotland. And that has been presented or sort of discussed as being a bit of a charm offensive because obviously the SNP did win again in the Scottish Assembly just now in in May so you know the talks are again we should have another referendum and check whether people do still want to remain part of the UK particularly because Brexit has happened whereas Scotland wanted to remain part of Europe and essentially England um, England said we wanted out so Scotland had to come out too so that has reopened the discussion probably sooner than a lot of people hoped would happen over you know it was a very divisive referendum and very difficult sort of time for a lot of people um this so there's been all of these different visits does it does it feel like they're trying to work a charm offensive? Does it does it feel like it is political or does it just feel like Scotland's a lovely place? Why wouldn't you want to come here, particularly when you can't go anywhere else? <laughs> it's so funny because I hadn't viewed it as that, but now that you see it, possibly it is. You know, again, there's there's reasons for everything. I mean, I, I would like to think that it's just that they hadn't paid a visit for a while. And I, I did think, wow, this is incredible that they've, you know, that they're coming here. Um, and as I say, there was excitement and there was excitement when William was watching the match in Edinburgh and the Queen was strolling around the gardens. And I know that there were other visits planned that I was uh, secretly a little party to that, that, that didn't actually happen because of, of COVID. And, um, you know, and, and it was visits, the ones that didn't happen, they were visits to people that maybe were in touch with a, a younger uh, sort of demographic there. So... That's quite interesting that, to look upon it like that. And you can, I mean, the thing is, maybe it is a charm offensive, maybe it's not. And each person in Scotland is going to read into that in their own way because everybody has got a different view. And, you know, and some people, as I say, will be more vocal about it. Some, won't, some may say, I just said to you, I'm not political. Maybe even what I've said, some people will interpret as political just by dint of, you know, not being political is, is a statement. And, you know, I don't know. Um, so who knows what the actual inner workings are, but it could be, it could be that, you know, there's something bigger there. And Cathy, in, in Wales, the nationalist movement isn't 
as strong as it is in Scotland, as certainly not as yet, although there's, you know, in, increasing discussions probably similarly, and um, Ply Cymru is certainly a, a major political player these days. But what's what would you say is the sort of overarching perception of of the royal family from I mean, basically being able to summarise, what does the whole of Wales think of the royal family? It's quite, quite <laughs> the an impossible whole the whole of Wales. But, what, you know, how do you think they are, how would you sum up the kind of perception or the different, uh, where it sort of splits in, in Wales as to the, sort of the pros or the, and the antis or couldn't, couldn't, give, couldn't give the, you know, the first thought about it and don't really care and would rather be watching something else entirely? I think that that's definitely the the majority in Wales. I think they they sort of um, come very much down the um, people's agendas. Uh, even though we have got the Prince of Wales and Charles did spend some time here, I don't think um, that. I, I think they probably perceive that they would have more of a, a connection with Scotland and more of a connection, obviously, with England um, when. There was an uproar when they changed the name of the Second Seven Crossing recently to the Prince of Wales Bridge, um, and some people still refuse to refer to it as the Prince of Wales Bridge, despite the big signs that are all over the place. Um, but on the whole, I, I don't think that it would um, that people feel particularly strongly either way. I just don't think it's as much, you know, part of their agenda. Yeah, the main thing that I think about with the Second Seven Bridge, which is, I have to remember that it's now called the Prince of Wales Bridge, but the main thing I do remember about it is you now no longer have to pay to go into yes, Wales, which is, which, which is the <laughs> best. Is, people are far more interested in that than, than the name. No, absolutely. And I guess, for the, you know, the Queen every year, she comes up to Balmoral. We see her, you know, usually at the Highland Games in normal times. She feels, she does feel quite connected to Scotland and that it is a, you know a, a home very much a home from home for her well of course her mother was Scottish um so there's there's always that and then you know you as you see I mean I think it's officially it's meant to be one week that she she spends in Balmoral but of course it's it's a lot longer than that and uh you know it's it is you know there's the the I guess there used to be like the grouse shooting and all that kind of thing. It probably still is, you know, um, a, a, an element of that. And the corgis run about the fields. And there is th this uh, romantic element uh, of it. And, you know, and if we go way back, Mary, Queen of Scots, when we hear about all that lineage as well. And I know, I mean, we were talking about some of the arguments. Some people believe that we should follow, I think, that the Stuart line, I think this you know, and go back to the roots way, way back and and try and find the lost royals and set up a different royal family uh, with it. But then you're just kind of probably swapping one royal for another, potentially. But again, there's probably some argument in there that would justify that, you know. So um, she, she very much feels part of it, as does Prince Charles, who was educated at boarding school in Scotland as well. Um, there is, you know, there is a, a sort of Scottish link. But as I say, I, I mean, it's interesting what Wales think or what, what we think Wales think about um, about the royals. Because it's, it's true, you know, many Scots will listen to this, uh, hopefully, and, uh, and will think, you know, actually, 
I, I'm not bothered either way at all either, you know. And I think, as I say, there is an element, though, that will be very radicalised on it and say, nah, it's time for the monarchy to move on. I think as soon as you start publishing figures, numbers, how much, what it's depriving the wee man on the street, um, if it's depriving somebody of, of something and if it's costing us too much, that's when we we look into it. But yeah, sorry, to come back to your to your initial uh, question, we the Queen and Scotland, there is, you know, there is definitely a link there. When actually I remember my, my great great auntie Eva telling me about the flag waving that she used to do when um, when the Queen came into town, which was I think once. You know, um, and, but she told me about how delighted she was to be there as a child in the procession. And I don't think there's as many people in Scotland that would wave a Union Jack necessarily uh, these days to greet the Queen. But that's not necessarily saying that they wouldn't turn up to meet the Queen. It's just they wouldn't necessarily wave a Union Jack because it would be a saltire. Yeah, and I think that's interesting though, but that you know the the whole you have to be seen to be believed and why it is so important to the royals to get out and about and see people because if you're on the scale of like yeah i'm not i'm not normally that bothered but the queen's in town i might as well go have a look or princess anne's in town i might as well go see if she's got some interesting soap that i can i can <laughs> steal and put on my shelf and say rosie galio oh lovely <laughs> lovely <laughs> But, you know, that that sort of um, excitement and celebrity and, I mean, let's face it, we always like it when someone interesting comes to town. We were just, we were just chatting before the show about how, um, you know, bumping, bumping, into, bumping into Harrison Ford or fail, Dan Jackson failing to notice that Harrison Ford was there because he was too busy trying to get out to see Tom Hardy. So, you know, anytime <laughs> there's someone that is, um, sorry, Dan, I've just dropped you in. I could be in trouble after the show. It's fine. You can cut that bit out if he wants to. Anyway, uh, but you know there is that sense of famous people, or I might get on the telly, and you know that is always just a bit of a pull for people. And it, but then once you've been and you've seen it and you've experienced that thing, and there are people who are there, like waving the flags and all excited who are doing that normally, you can get swept up in things. I mean, at the risk of bringing it back to the football, you know, people who aren't normally excited about football get swept up in that. And then it can potentially change your perception over a longer period of time. So, you know, that value for the royal family of being out and about and being seen by, by sort of normal people rather than the people who are following their Instagram and Twitter accounts and hanging on every, you know, picture and video and visit that happens. Because most, let's face it, most people, most people aren't. Most people will see a bit of what's gone on. They'll tune in for like royal weddings and funerals and big things, follow a bit of the scandal, get a bit riled when, you know, when, when our money has been spent badly or, or whatever. But a lot of the time, it's not actually relevant to their lives and that you know there are people who are fans and watch but getting out and about and and connecting with different people around the country gives them an opportunity to um, to sort of meet with with new people so interesting um but i'd be interested to know so when the duke of edinburgh died did did that I mean he, he was known he was Prince Philip he, his title was the Duke of Edinburgh I mean he had he had a load of other titles as they all do but that was 
his, you know, his stamp, his, you know, the, the name that he gave to the initiative that he set up and, you know, will we'll carry on his legacy in terms of the Duke of Edinburgh Awards. So what was, what was the reaction in Scotland to his passing? Well, again, it probably depends where you were exactly, but the overall um, thing, I think, you know, it would be safe to say that, um, you know, he, as a man, as as a face, you know, you were very sad that he had passed away because whatever your thoughts were, he's been a part of, of everybody's existence in some form or other, whether it's the comments that he sometimes managed to make uh, that were inadvertently not quite appropriate, um, or w- whether it was just seeing him as a partner to the Queen and seeing the sadness of a Queen and anybody, I think we've lost anybody uh, close to them in a family or a friend um, who felt that emotion felt a sadness about that you know it was it's it was undoubtedly a moment for people to think okay that's that's part of history that's no longer here and um, whether it whether a lot of people cared a jot about it beyond that in terms of them taking the day off because of it or uh, you know writing letters to the queen or you know putting flowers down in some sort of uh, area probably not so much but equally you know as human beings everybody felt that that was a very sad thing and yes I mean there were you know looking at my Facebook page there were people who had met uh, the prince people not just people in privileged positions people who had met him through charity work or being a beneficiary of uh, some award scheme or something you know something that he had been involved in um, felt that they would pay tribute. Um, I didn't actually see anything at the time, not because I didn't feel anything. I didn't really want to necessarily spark huge debate because then you you put the you know the initial thing, which is that's a shame, or how does everybody feel, or we feel you know, and 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 you 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 will undoubtedly get some really unpleasant comments amongst that from people that are just downright rude as opposed to, you know, an unfeeling and nasty as opposed to just saying, oh, I, I don't care about him. That you can handle, but, you know, it's when it's the people start making horrible, horrible uh, noises about people that is, is a bit trolly. But, um, you know, I yeah, it, it was it was sad and, and it's sad to see the Queen uh, like that. But... You know, yeah, there will be some people that will be like, "Yeah, good riddance." That's another one off the off the list. One of one of the scroungers off the list. You know, you are going to get that element of society that will do that wherever you are. Um, but to me, that's quite unfeeling. You know, anybody's death, unless they've really done bad, and then again, somebody may come up with an argument to suggest that that's happened. But um, yeah, it you know, it was a sad affair. And there's a so there's a story in the Sunday Times at the weekend, um, which I'm sure Daily Mirror Royal Editor Russell Myers and I will discuss in, in more depth next week. But uh, you know, sort of talk that actually Prince Charles may not want to give the Duke of Edinburgh title onto Prince onto Prince Edward, as had sort of been originally discussed or expected between, and I think it was subject of a conversation even between Philip and Edward at some at some point in the past. I mean, do do you think people? care whether the whether the title continues Beth or is it, is it just separate or well I don't think it's it's entered the consciousness necessarily of 
the vast amount of people. I think they're just like, all right, these are royal workings. What's the effect of this? Is this something that's going to benefit people? So, you know, if the title is passed on and all of a sudden a great amount of good is being done, and I know earlier we mentioned Princess Anne, she is one of the royals, does a lot. She's a very active royal. She does lots of things. So if Prince Edward were to inherit the title, is he going to do some things that are going to have an impact on the people of Scotland? Harry and Meghan, when they came to Edinburgh, visited Social Bite, uh, which helps a lot of people who have gone through some horrendous uh, experiences in their life and uh, a lot of homeless people and poverty-stricken people. And, um, And that was a very positive thing that they did. And I think, you know, whatever your thoughts on the royals, the fact was they uplifted. I, I met some of the people who had met with them afterwards, and these were people who never in their lives expected to meet Harry and Meghan. And it did impact on them, and they went away with a spring in their step that way. And this is the thing, you know, if people are going to add goodness in what they do and bring something to the table, and it's not just going to be an empty title, then, you know, I think that's something that, that anybody in their right mind would go, okay. Yeah, you've done good there. It's like Princess Diana. Princess Diana could have taken that title and done nothing and been the cold princess. But instead, she reached out and she reformed things and she she went places where other people were scared to go. And I think if the royals do that, then there is an argument for saying, yeah, they've got a place wherever they are. So it's, yeah, the person and what they do, what they do with their time rather than the title itself. Although for Cathy, so the, the Prince of Wales, that is a very specific role, really. And tell us a bit about how you, how, how you see the sort of the Prince of Wales role and if there's particular, you know, sort of, I don't know, duties or responsibilities or opportunities that come with that beyond the fact that you will be the next king. Yeah. Um, so just go back to the Duke of Edinburgh role. I think the, the Duke of Edinburgh awards are such an important part of, um, you know, are, are such an important part of our, uh, of the, the UK and, you know, for children. My own son, my eldest son has um, uh, managed to complete his uh, silver just before the, the coronavirus. So um, I think from that aspect, it'd be quite good to see that title to go on. Absolutely, um, if, I agree. Yeah. yeah, if that can can carry on. Um, as for the Prince of Wales, um, yeah, the, I don't know. I th- it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, hope. I mean, Prince William um, is going to be the next. Should be the next Prince of Wales with um, Kate as as the the Princess of Wales. Um, obviously, um, when Diana had that that title. Um, it's it, uh sorry That's right. um yeah I, I, it's a difficult one the prince of wales because i don't know that people really associate um charles as being being the prince here in that way it was a title rather than a connection with a place. Is that what you mean? Yes. Sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, it's a, a title more than a, an actual connection with Wales. Um, so it, it would be good to see in, in future if, if that was um, that connection was made stronger. Like a, a closer tie. And, I mean, it's interesting you saying that it, it didn't feel like there was that connection. How do you feel like Wales views Camilla? 
because she obviously has never had the title Princess of Wales. She's known as the Duchess of Cornwall. That has been very separate because obviously the tragic death of Diana, but also the, you know, the the long running love triangle, infidelity, ish, you know, sort of the, the backstory. The, let's, let's face it, somewhat, somewhat muck, mucky, albeit ultimately true love um, love story between Charles and Charles and Camilla. But Diana was sort of the, the 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 victim in some ways of that of that love triangle, if you like, and in an awkward position and then you know Camilla has come into the royal family I think um you know clearly there are still people who are you know resentful of what happened in the past and don't 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 like her but personally I'm a big fan of Camilla's and I think she's done in terms of coming from a difficult start and building yourself into a role in the royal family I think she has done as really as well as anybody as anybody could and I think she's um you know she's she seems to be a very good ally alongside um Charles and and has her own interests and sort of, of bring brings things to the party but just wondering whether there are particular views about Camilla in in Wales yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that she would uh, that she does have a level of acceptance. And I think that we did see that um, when she was here um, last week. Um, you know, she she was greeted. There's lots of smiling faces. And I, I think if she'd taken on the role of Princess of Wales, I don't, I don't think people would ha- have had that same level of acceptance at all of her. I think, um, like you say, she's really sort of taken her time and and gained people's trust but i don't think that would have happened if she'd if she'd taken the title of princess of wales um but i can see kate being in that that role being able to sort of take it take it forward again and yeah i think she she would be able to take it forward and you actually covered sorry Um, you actually covered Princess Diana's funeral as well, didn't you? Um, yes, I. Uh, so I was a young trainee journalist at the time. Um, there was no mobile phones around, um, and I was actually um, had been at a house party in Windsor, um, but I didn't find out um, the awful news until two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, on that day, which just seems crazy now that we, there was no mobile phones. Um, we hadn't turned on the news, we hadn't turned on the radio, and it was only when um, the uh, my friend's sister came around to tell us. So uh, we raced back to Cardiff, went into the newsroom, and then the next week was just um, it, it was just a very surreal week. Um, we had uh, we opened up the telephone lines one night just so people could phone and and give us our memories of of diana and when she visited wales and i think we opened them at eight o'clock and we still had people phoning us at midnight um and then uh on the friday night we were uh five of us were sent up to london to cover the funeral and again that was an extremely surreal experience coming off the tube station just by kensington um palace i can remember the smell of the flowers that that just you could smell them from from that far away and then as you got closer there was thousands of people there but you could have heard a pin drop it was it was just um such a a strange atmosphere 
and the floors they were they were up to sort of um waist height um and then the, later that day prince william and and um prince harry they both came out to have a look at every, all the tributes that had been left which was um very sad to see but they they were amazing and obviously it gave them some level of of comfort um then the next day was was the funeral and um what well, i had to my i was covering the the first part and then my colleagues were at different parts of the the route um, and we also had someone in the in the um, Westminster Abbey um, and uh, so I was I had to do the first bit um, and again it was just a very surreal very quiet hundreds and hundreds of people there and you could you couldn't hear a sound um, and then there was this wailing started and it was the coffin had been um, brought out of Kensington Palace um, and then that headed away. Um, so I had to go and file my copy. Uh, obviously, no, no mobile phones. So I had all my pockets full of 20p's and went in to find the, the nearest phone box to phone the copy down the line to the copy taker in the Cardiff office. Um, and having to do this all very quietly as well, because obviously um, there was a lot of anger about the media and the the perceived role in Diana's death. So um, we ha- you had to be very careful and obviously be very extremely respectful as well. So um, after that, then I walked over to Hyde Park and watched the, the funeral on the, the big screen. Cause, you know, that's amazing as well. Just the, th- the thought of having big screens up for an event like that. And, you know, we've obviously seen people watching, normally it's football or or Wimbledon or, or whatever that people are doing it, but that's sort of coming coming together to watch watch an event like that. Um, yeah, and Earl, Earl Spencer's, um, his eulogy was was on the big screen and it was, it was just, um, you know, everybody just had that, he had everybody sort of stopped. Everybody was kind of frozen, just listening to, to his, powerful words oh wow what a moment and um you know it's it's always interesting thinking just at a basic level you know as a as a, as a journalist and a geek like how much things have changed from that perspective in so so little time really like 20 p pockets full of 20 p's and that's that sort of detail from from you know like this big momentous day and then it's those small details as well that um that sort of stay with you, but you know, the smell of the flowers and that that kind of thing. Um, Bev, I understand you've been to a garden party with the royals, <laughs> but what I really want to know is what did you nick? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't nick anything, but I well did done. have I did have a few cucumber sandwiches. And, and they wear cucumber sandwiches like you'd never had before. I don't know why. They seem to be special cucumber. I actually spoke to one of my friends who worked in the royal household. God, it sounds like I'm totally all up with the royals. But Shaggy's Queen of so- Scotland, I told you. I gave you the big <laughs> intro at the start. He told me that he made uh, green mayonnaise. From with leaves, uh, with the I don't know the chlorophyll from the leaves or something. Uh, I don't know, but there was something in the leaves that made it, it green. That that was what the queen liked. Um, but yes, the the garden party. It was just a very nice affair. I was quite young, but I was. Uh, but equally, I was a lady of eligible age, which is like something out of you know a Netflix drama or something, isn't it? Really, um, you know, it, had I met. 
my match there, we could have just uh, gone off into the sunset, the Duke and I, or something. Uh, but yeah, the, the it, it was just very nice. At that point, um, no phones um, or cameras were allowed. I think now you can take your phone in. So I've seen a few people subsequently go in and, and swipe a few pictures. I remember uh, that we had to look to see if I could find gloves to wear, white gloves to wear because we thought that that would be appropriate and of course I had the best dress that I could find and uh, the best jacket you know we were we were shopping for quite a while uh, ahead of it just to make sure that everything was perfect for the day and it was you know it was it was lovely to to go along to and it, you know it's one of those I know some people that have been invited to garden parties in Scotland and have made a stand not to go because they feel that they they don't approve of the royals and therefore it's not their thing and I think well you know if you feel that strongly I guess that's that's their call to make but Equally, you think in terms of life experiences, surely it's one that you would want to have. And then you can say, oh, no, I, d I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't really into it. I, but I just went along to see what the grub was like or to see what the music was like or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it, it always struck me as a bit weird if somebody got an invite to not go. But I guess it's the same thing as somebody turning down a title. And, you know, people have got very strong reasons for it. And, again, it comes back to w what your sort of fundamental beliefs are or, or even environment growing up, I think. Because we did talk about sort of the honours system on a on a recent um, show, but what we didn't really touch on on that occasion was that some people do turn down their MBE or knighthood or whatever whatever people want to offer them because they don't necessarily approve of the system or the monarchy or, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. interesting. It Coming back to the Diana, um, to Diana's death, and, and what a fabulous story that was! Actually, incredible to hear what it was actually like, um, you know, being in London and covering that at the time. As you say, the smell of the flowers and the, and the, the weeping. Um, but I, I, I was actually alive. I, I like to pretend I was just a fetus, but I wasn't, and <laughs> I, I was out clubbing. Um, when news broke, I'd actually just come home from clubbing. It was about four in the morning, half four. Five, I, I don't know, I'm sure you can tell me the exact time, but uh, I remember uh, being there with my partner at the time and, um, and my partner called me through and going, Diana's dead. And I'm like, what? And, and my partner was indulging in a few, <laughs> a few psychedelic substances at the time. And I was like, are you joking? I was like, what, 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 what have you taken? What's, what's going on? And Diana's dead, and I was absolutely, you know, speechless. And I also, the journalist part of me, I was still quite an infant journalist, but I'd actually um, got um, that weekend, just the, that week in the lead up to it, I'd been given a camera, a video camera, by a TV production company who had told me, you know, I had to swear my life that I wouldn't take it anywhere dodgy where it would get smashed up because it was worth thousands of pounds and um, in my mind at the time I wanted to go out onto the streets of Glasgow and get the people because I think we'd left the club early so I think it, it, there were still some people coming out of the club 
so maybe at five at this point or half four or whatever time it was and uh, and and I thought about going and get, getting the people as they were spilling out the clubs and recording them and going Diana's dead just to get a reaction and I didn't do it because I was scared that that would one be sick and not right to do because people would just find that totally shocking and, and two I was really scared about damaging the camera uh, but you know, I I just felt it was in such utter bad taste at the time that I, and, and I, I'm kind of annoyed in some ways that I didn't do it because that would have just been incredible to have got that that initial reaction. But of course, many people were documented, sort of hearing the news. I think the news teams were out and getting first reactions, but it was just something incredible. And I remember also watching that funeral and actually being out clubbing the night before and like yourself, because I was going to say that must have been some party if you didn't hear about the death till two o'clock in, in the yeah, afternoon well. that day. <laughs> but I, I actually going out the night before the funeral and, and saying, no, no, I want to be up early because I want to watch this funeral because it was such a, a huge thing. And... And as I said, my partner at the time was uh, was a bit into sort of uh, slightly illegal activities, and um, and we ended up at a house party where everybody was just sort of partying. And I remember switching on the funeral there and going, "Well, you guys might be out of it, but I want to see this." And that's where I watched the, the funeral. It's, it is one of those moments in time where you do definitely remember, you know, where where you were or the sort of the circumstances when you heard it and like how how you watched the funeral and things. But I think yours is particularly unusual, both as to be sex. Thank you for sharing it. And um, um, in terms of how things will change, you know, obviously the Queen is in is well, it's platinum jubilee year next year big celebrations hopefully but you know at some stage we will move from the elizabethan age into sort of king king charles presumably um things will change do you think that that moment for for wales and or for scotland do you, that sort of changing of the generation do you think that will have an impact or sort of potentially unsettle things or well, i guess how, how do you think the country will respond to to that time as and when it comes um kathy what do you think for wales um yes i think um i think you'll see uh, wales welcoming william and kate as the new prince and princess of wales i think um that that would definitely um be something that that would be welcomed here, um, and Charles as well, um, being you know, as the king, and you know he, he has this one, you know, this home in um, in Wales in uh, in Carmarthenshire that uh, he, you know he, he would still very much be be welcomed here. Um, so you know I ca- I can see I I think there is there was a story about the the royal family maybe being sort of paired down and maybe not so many of the the titles which i think would be something that people would welcome and how about for you bev do you think it would be a bit more of a i don't know sometimes like movement for change and and things do you see it as like a potential moment of danger for the monarchy when when there is that transition i'm not sure um 
you know, going to the the Euro 2020 game and seeing the reaction of Kate and William and George, um, that was really lovely. And it was it was youthful in terms of, you know, seeing a, a, it, it, when I say youthful, it was, it was refreshing to see emotions and natural reactions. And it's almost like they forgot that they were in front of the camera. And I think if there's more moments like that that people see, then I, I think for as much as, as I say, people like to knock things, if you show a natural side and if they see the human side, and as we know, everybody's been intrigued by Meghan and Harry and what the in-laws think and what the realies think and how it all works and the inner workings. And of course, the bigger debate surrounding that, which is a very serious debate. But uh, I, I think uh, it, it, there's so much change potentially ahead. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? We had Brexit, uh, not breakfast, we had Brexit and then we had covid and uh, and then we we might have independence. We may not have independence from that. We may have a monarchy. We may not have a monarchy. Uh, at some point, it's inevitable that the queen will pass. We don't, you know, we, we love our queen. So well, maybe not everybody loves our queen, but you know, I think I think she's a sweet woman. Um, but at, at this, and and so that you know, we don't want that to be rushed on, but inevitably life goes on so will they be relevant uh, tomorrow that's down to how much they give back and um, you know and how much they endear themselves and I think it is necessary to make more visits as it probably is to Wales so that you know if you're called the Prince of Wales and the Princess of Wales then you know I know that if they were called the Prince and Princess of Scotland uh, we would want them here, and of course they are known as the the uh, Earl and Countess of Strathairn. So, you know, Strathairn it's it's quite a small area relative to the whole of Scotland. But you know, if we see a bit more input like that, then then maybe they will survive. And personally, I, I'd like I'd like that to continue. But I'd like to see them not being. I think. You can't be arrogant these days about having a title and you can't be make an assumption that people are just going to respect you because you have a title. You need to do good. You need to give back. So if you can do that, then I would like to think you'd be welcome in Scotland. Well, the, the way forward for the royal family from the showbiz queen of Scotland. Um, <laughs> Cathy and Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. I think it's sort of kind of one of the clear things that's come through and something that's crystallised for me during our discussion was how important it is for, for the royals to get out on those visits. And I'm sure, you know, as, as things are opening up, the um, royal households will be absolutely raring to get back out there. It'll be interesting to see whether they do take their sort of normal, sum, their normal summers off and quiet summers or whether they're a bit more out and about because it has been such a restricted time the rest of the time but yes we definitely look to look forward to more visits and more meetings with real people and more sort of you know good human reactions hopefully cheering on an england or welsh or scottish win um in in due course lifting lifting the lifting the trophy world cup next year we'll all, we'll all about irish oh no, 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 no irish we'll take northern irish sorry sorry <laughs> kathy and Balamina.
and uh, <laughs> everyone back home in Northern Ireland. But yeah, we'll we'll cup next year. Well, one of us can bring it home. If I tell you what, if Scotland or Wales can bring it home, you can have our song and everything. Like just take it, take it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll be cheering you on. Um, thank you, ladies, for joining uh, joining me on the show today. Listeners, thank you for listening thank as you. ever. Um, you can have your say on Instagram at PodSave and Twitter at PodSave, and I will um, share the handles of our lovely guests today as well. So that you can um, you know share, share your thoughts with them as well we will be back very soon Russell should be back next week unless he gets sent off on some exciting adventure I mean chance would be a fine thing at the moment but we'll see and there'll be lots more royal news to talk about but until then stay safe and stay well and until next time Pod save the Queen Stopped.